personal what? Relationships. You know, like friends. Oh. O. Outlook. N. Nutrition. That's great. So the, when Barb first brought this idea up, we thought, well, this will be pretty fun. We'll try to do it as the staff, but uh, Pastor Roger could never time the, the letter right, and, and Pastor Steve and Pastor Mark kept fighting over the T, and so we thought, well, let's just get the kids. They'll probably do it better. So I think that worked out. I think that was a good plan. All right. Thank you, guys. That was wonderful. Okay, let's pray. Father in heaven, we've been blessed today by all the wonderful things in this service. Now, Lord, open your word to us and give us an understanding this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Mark chapter 8. We read this story, verse 1. During those days, another large crowd gathered. Since they had nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. If I send them home hungry, they will collapse on the way because some of them have come a long distance. His disciples answered, but where in this remote place can anyone get enough bread to feed them? How many loaves do you have? Jesus asked. Seven, they replied. He told the crowd to sit down on the ground. When he had taken the seven loaves and given thanks, he broke them and gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people, and they did so. They had a few small fish as well. He gave thanks for them also and told the disciples to distribute them. The people ate and were satisfied. Afterward, the disciples picked up seven baskets full of broken pieces that were left over. About 4,000 were present. It's interesting how often the Bible talks about food. There's a couple things that stand out to me in this particular story. First is Jesus' motive. The text says that Jesus said, I have compassion for these people. You see, Jesus was saying, I don't want insufficient nutrition to be their undoing. But Jesus didn't just have compassion. His compassion then led him to action. He took steps to assure that they had what they needed. And then, as always, with Jesus, the blessing of Jesus isn't just sufficient. 
The blessing of Jesus is abundant. Not only was there enough for everyone to eat and be satisfied, there was so much, there were seven baskets full left over. So this is our last Sabbath in our Creation Health series, and the Lord has truly blessed us in this series. The core understanding being from the beginning that you can have a better life if you will choose to live by these principles. C, choice. The C of creation stands for choice. It all begins with exercising your God-given right to choose. R is rest, making choices to, to rest. E, environment, how you surround yourself. A, activity, will you do something or will you just sit there? T, trust in God. I, interpersonal relationships. Then last, year, last week we talked about O, outlook, how your outlook will change your experience. You can see the exact same things, but if your outlook is different, your conclusions will be different as well. Well, today is in nutrition, which on the one hand could be taken to be narrowly about making the right kind of choices when eating. And let me just say, I'm all for making the right kind of choices when eating. Though let me hastily add, I'm not always consistent in my application. In my heart, I agree wholeheartedly with nutrition. In my mouth, I have a somewhat different theory. And I particularly, for my own sake, don't want today to turn into a scolding session This too often has been the case for this issue. Rather than being presented as a topic of good news, it has too often been a topic with which we shame one another or seek to demonstrate spiritual superiority over each other. We aren't going to do that today, or at least that isn't mostly what we're going to do. And let me quickly add, I have appreciated within this church body the work of the Guthleries and the work of Eileen Krauss and others who have been involved in nutrition-type ministries within the Forest Lake Church, such as the vegan cooking schools that they run throughout the year. Not only of this group have I appreciated the righteousness of the content that they present, but also the kindness and the humility with which they approach the unrighteous dietary practices of those who attend. I've appreciated their spirit. They aren't trying to shame anyone or claim anyone doesn't get to go to heaven because they eat cheese. They're honestly trying to help people. And they are helping many people. So I want to thank them for their efforts and I want to speak a word of encouragement to them and a word of promotion to all of you to notice that that's going on and take part because it would be good for you. But back to what I was saying, I don't want to do a whole lot of shaming, but let me hastily add, we have reached a sad day in America when many people are sick and invalid and dying as the result of diet, but it isn't starvation that's killing them. Now this whole concept is really a situation that that the Bible does not 
really addressed directly since rarely in the history of the world have people had the luxury of killing themselves with food like we do. Now you might remember earlier in this series we talked about King Eglon, one of the, uh, one of the few people in the Bible who is described as being significantly overweight. It seems only kings had the luxury of enough food to be significantly overweight. Our penchant as a people for marginal nutrition is costing us, both in terms of the quality of life and longevity, as well as in financial terms, as hospitals become the reactive treatment centers for those whose eating choices have now left them diseased and broken down. And I'll have to confess this. I will admit I find it very difficult not to judge when I watch an obese person riding into everywhere mart on their personal mobility scooter all the while puffing on a cigarette. I find it difficult not to judge when I know that it is their choices that aren't just hurting them but also hitting me square in the pocketbook. Because somebody's got to pay for that care, right? Fortunately, Jesus is far more compassionate than I am, which in a way brings us back to where we started with Jesus feeling compassion over those who were nearly faint due to their lack of nutrition. Jesus was not inclined to stand by like I am sometimes, to just stand by and judge. No, when Jesus saw the people facing nutrient trouble, Jesus was inclined to act. It's fascinating to me the role that God intended for food to play in our lives. Have you ever thought about it? God could have chosen any number of ways to sustain our lives, including some sort of supernatural means. But to do so in that matter was not really consistent with this physical reality of his creation, this universe in which we are created to serve in his image. There were probably an infinite number of ways God could have chosen to sustain our lives, but over all of these options, he chose three tangible means. Air, water, and food. Air, or more specifically oxygen, is the most immediate issue to our lives. We don't survive very long without breathing. And interestingly, air pretty much only comes in one useful variety. 70% nitrogen, 20% oxygen, some traces of other things. Mix that up and and it's not good for us. We pretty much got to take air one way. Though the cleaner it is, the better. Water for us is a somewhat less immediate concern, yet it is difficult for any of us to survive more than three days without it. And also with water, purity is key. But in contrast to air, there's a bit more variety here, what with juices and so forth. So we've got a little variety. And then comes food. 
The long-term need for food is absolute, though often we can go without it for a short time. And unlike air, and even to a degree far beyond water, food comes to us in so many shapes and sizes and amazing flavors and styles. God didn't have to do it this way, but he did. And I believe he did just because he wanted us to be able to enjoy all those shapes and all those sizes and all those amazing flavors and all those styles. Food has taste because God wanted us to enjoy it. In fact, enjoying food is one of the God-gifted pleasures that transcends the fall. Ecclesiastes 8, verse 15. So I commend the enjoyment of life, because there is nothing better for a person under the sun than to eat and drink and be glad. Then joy will accompany them in their toil all the days of the life God has given them under the sun. Further on, Ecclesiastes 9, verse 7. Go! Eat your food with gladness and drink your wine with a joyful heart for God has already approved what you do. Uh Uh-oh, now I've stirred up some trouble, haven't I? But you know what? I'm not even going to fix it today. Today isn't about drink. Today is about nutrition. You'll have to figure this one out for yourselves, but the Bible's got plenty of text to help you. So God, in his love for us, didn't decide that each day we would take a sustenance capsule in order to survive. Instead, he gave us a world of tastes and textures, of flavors and flavonoids, of varieties and varietals. And he told us to receive these things with a happy heart. But with any gift comes the obligation that we indulge responsibly. And sadly, it is therein that our problems usually lie. Even from the beginning, this was the case. Genesis 2, verse 16. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. The call to joyously eat has always been balanced with the call to not be mastered by appetite, by the call to some manner of measured restraint. And what happens to us if we reject restraint? Philippians 3, verse 18, For as I have often told you before and now tell you again even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. It seems to me that we're just a little too clever for our own good. You see, we can take and isolate the natural components of just about anything and then remove them from their balanced source, thus creating a non-naturally occurring concentrated product. And then, not having trained our taste for what is natural and wholesome, but instead in laziness, by default, trained ourselves to long for the unnatural, we, through excess, render ourselves incapable of appreciating natural food and only crave foods that are over-processed, over-seasoned, and over-sweetened. We do it to ourselves. And what is the outcome? 
Too often we end up unhealthy, overweight, and ironically, unsatisfied as well. Now there is another way. And if you want to find out about it, you really do need to take advantage of the classes on nutrition that are taught within this church by people who know way more about it than I do. But I said this wasn't going to be a shaming message because eating should not be about shaming. Instead, eating should be about celebration and pleasure. Make no mistake, eating was a huge part of the yearly Old Testament festivals. And in fact, the meal was the center of Passover. That's why I love Thanksgiving so much. What a great holiday. It's all about getting together and eating. And when Jesus wanted us to be able to tangibly connect with what he did for us, What did Jesus do? Maybe you've heard this text before. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23. For I received from the Lord what I also pass on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took what? Bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And you need to understand both Jesus and nutrition pretty well to not be put off by this passage. John chapter 6, verse 53, Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of God and drink, Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day, for my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. That really set a lot of them off. Jesus lost a few followers that day. This whole idea of eating, and even more, the idea of eating together has great meaning. And to be invited to the feast... Well, I'll let the angel say it better than I ever could. Revelation 19, verse 9. Then the angel said to me, write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. I mean, even at the the wedding of the Lamb, it's the supper we're we're excited about, right? Okay, yeah, let's get this wedding over. So we get to supper. And he added, these are the true words of God. Do you think it was without context that Jesus said to the church of Laodicea, Revelation 3, verse 20, Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and what? Eat with that person and they with me. Nutrition. Do not make a curse out of what God has given you as a blessing. And do not get fat by hoarding that blessing to yourself. I had a most interesting experience this past week. Monday I traveled to Managua, Nicaragua to meet up with Pastor Delwyn and a lovely missionary couple, Wayne and Megan Tingle. 
The Tingles have a history with our church as they have hosted mission trips from Forest Lake Church led by both Pastor Mark and Pastor Delwyn. But they've recently launched a new mission project and a new mission entity named Enrich Missions. And it just so happens that our own Delwyn Finch has been elected as chair of their corporate mission board. It's a real privilege. That's why he was there a few days ahead of me And he is the reason that I was there at all. I was very impressed with the plans that the Tingles and Enriched Mission have laid out. And my heart was touched to see the early stages of the plan begin to unfold. You see, there is one more thing about nutrition that you need to understand. As a gift given to us by a God of love, we as God's children should always be looking for ways to pass the gift of nutrition on. And that is where the tingles are, what the tingles are doing aligns so well with this message. They, as they got together, they, they've, they've finalized their mission statement You can't read that because it's on a working board, but I'll I'll read it to you. Here's another example. Enriched Missions extends Christ's love by serving children in extreme poverty so they can fully engage in educational opportunities. That's a nice mission, isn't it? Extending God's love to serve children in extreme poverty so they can engage in education opportunities. Education's kind of important to us too, isn't it? That's a big one here. So their goal is to educate, see that the poor get educated so that the next generation might prosper. And you know what they identified as one of the first keys to success in this plan? Proper nutrition. If there is a hope that these children would get properly educated... They're going to need proper nutrition. And that is why when Pastor Delwyn went down, he took with himself a case of gummy vitamins to be given with meals to poor, undernourished kids. We got some pictures of some of the kids. It's fun to see kids getting a good meal, isn't it? Amazing the different faces, yet the singular needs. There's a picture coming up here after this one. This is a young girl. You wouldn't necessarily know by her hair, but she lives in in a rather small house. It's about this high. It's about from here to the podium long and not even all the way back to you guys wide. It's squeezed in between the road and the wall of a settling pond uh, for a water treatment plant. That was where there was room. Probably her hair is short because they have lice issues at that house. But even a child like that can smile and learn. Most of these kids you see, they're not starving. But they are badly undernourished in that their monotonous diet is quite low in many important nutrients. 
We often give vitamins to our own kids, but, but doing so, rarely do we see an obvious impact. Yet after only a few days of giving some of these children vitamins, these children that live in this squatter city outside Matagalpa, Nicaragua, that's where Enriched Missions is located, just, just days after giving them to these children, several of the mission staff noted with delight an almost immediate impact in the brightness of the eyes of the kids that were coming for the meals. It makes a difference. And the whole of this experience made me stop and ponder. Here we sometimes bicker and argue with ourselves and with each other over what to eat and when to eat and whether it's nutritious enough. But folks in some places don't have the privilege of arguing with each other over that. And sometimes in the midst of these arguments with ourselves and each other, we fancy ourselves righteous when we fast from certain foods that might not be nutritious enough. But is abstinence on our part all that the Lord has called us to do? And as I pondered that question, a passage of Scripture came to my mind. Isaiah chapter 58. Shout it aloud. Do not hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their rebellion and to the descendants of Jacob their sins. For day after day they seek me out. They seem eager to know my ways as if they were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commands of its God. They ask me for just decisions and seem eager for God to come near them. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and... You have not noticed. God, I didn't eat too much sugar. Why didn't you notice? I avoided fatty foods. I only had french fries twice this week. Why aren't you noticing? To which the Lord replies, Yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you please and exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Is this the kind of fast I have chosen? Only a day for people to humble themselves? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying in sackcloth and ashes? Is nutrition really only about what I don't eat? Is that what you call a fast? A day acceptable to the Lord? I've spent this day speaking of nutrition, but I think it is obvious this message has not been righteousness by diet. You understand that point, right? No, even with nutrition, God's call to us is more than do and don't. More than eat and don't eat. More than a narrow council aimed at a narrow people. So what is God's larger call? Verse 6. Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? To loose the chains of injustice. To untie the cords of the yoke. To set the oppressed free and break every yoke. Is it not to share your food with the hungry and provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked, to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? And what happens to a people who, who fast like this? Verse 8, Then your light will break forth like the dawn 
and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call, and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help, and he will say, Here am I. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger and malicious talk. Yeah, that's it, me, right? Judging the people. Let's put that finger away. And if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations You will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. Does that sound good to you? Would you like to be a people like that? You know what? Maybe maybe nutrition is about a bit more than we realized. Maybe there's something here about Jesus and something here about compassion. But what can we do about it? What can we do with nutrition? Let's pray. Father in heaven, you have blessed us abundantly beyond our need. Now save us from ourselves and from our inclinations to gluttony and instead show us How nutrition can be a means of doing mission service in your world. In Jesus' name, amen.